0: If you like what you hear today, please subscribe to our podcast and join us every month at SoundBites for more insights on understanding, managing, and thriving with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis.
1: My name is Corinne Pettit, and I'm here today to talk about pregnancy and psoriatic disease with Dr. Abby Van Voorhees, professor and chair of dermatology at Eastern Virginia Medical School who specializes in the care of patients with psoriasis and eczema. Dr. Van Voorhees is actively involved in clinical research related to the treatment of psoriasis and is the chair of the National Psoriasis Foundation's Medical Board, where she's been a member since 2007. is also on the board of directors of the American Academy of Dermatology and is the chair and program director of the Department of Dermatology of the Eastern Virginia Medical School in Norfolk, Virginia. Well, welcome, Dr. Van Voorhees. So many women with psoriatic disease have numerous questions about how the disease and treatment will impact their ability to conceive, what happens during pregnancy, and postpartum care. Let's start right off at the beginning with preconception planning. What questions should couples talk about with their health care team if they're considering trying to become pregnant?
2: You know, this is so important. I think psoriasis, I always say, is a disease of the young. And that means that it's starting at a time uh, really just before people are of that childbearing age. For somebody who has more significant disease, often they've been placed on a systemic medication and then they're in a situation of when they do decide they want to start to try to conceive, that they have to weigh the risks and decide what they're comfortable with. Other people perhaps don't want to start a medication because they know in the relatively short term they may be trying to conceive. So these are conversations that you really want to talk to your healthcare provider about. So you that way the patient has the opportunity to explore what are the risks and and it gives their healthcare provider an opportunity to give them some guidance about the different therapies. I know when patients come to me with those questions It gives me some inklings about treatment directions I might prefer to take, knowing that that's what's on their mind. So the most important thing is they begin that conversation. The other thing is, if they are going to want to start a family, understanding the timeline is really critical uh, because certain medications you'd want to be off for a while in order to be sure that it was out of your body. For example, if you're taking methotrexate, I want a patient to be off the methotrexate for at least three months before they were going to try to conceive. So that would be an example of um, why pre-planning would be really helpful.
1: I'm curious, does severity of the disease impact the ability to become pregnant?
2: You know, we're not 100% sure about that. There's people wonder if the answer might be yes. Yes. Uh, because we know that other inflammatory diseases impact people's ability to become pregnant. There is some controversial data in the psoriasis space, whether how much psoriasis you have uh, truly will impact um, your ability to get pregnant and also your ability to bring a pregnancy to a very successful conclusion.
1: And what physiological changes occur with pregnancy and what impact can women expect on their psoriatic disease? I've heard from some women that they say
2: that their psoriasis improves. Is that true for all women with psoriatic disease? I think we, we generally say that it, it improves happily for about 50% of women. Um, but in 25%, their psoriasis actually worsens. And 25% really there's no change from their baseline. So that means half of all women actually get a little bit better. And for some women, of course, that's a a wonderful thing that their psoriasis might clear, for example, when they're pregnant not a great long-term strategy unless you want to have a lot of children. (laughs) For some, it truly does improve. And exactly why it improves, we don't really know. In fact, you know, there have been studies in the past looking at, for example, putting women on birth control pills, which simulate being pregnant. That's how birth control pills work. But they did not seem to improve uh, patients' psoriasis. So exactly what's what's occurring during pregnancy and why it's allowing so many of our women patients to have their disease get better, we don't completely understand.
1: Oh, it's really interesting. I didn't know that. Is it possible for women with psoriatic disease to remain on treatment during pregnancy? And if so, what treatment options are available for psoriasis and or psoriatic arthritis?
2: Before we had the biologic medications, the answer was no, because the risks of our conventional medications were such that we felt it was more of a risk uh, to a you know, developing fetus. For example, m- uh, medications like acetretin is a teratogen, which m- meant that babies could develop terrible birth defects. Methotrexate is used as a an abortifactant, and that means that actually increases the risk of having that pregnancy terminated. So certainly you can see why we didn't want patients to take those when they were pregnant. Prior to the biologic time, it was really absolutely necessary that patients be off of these internal medications. The biologics, based on the old criteria that the FDA used to use, where they graded um, medications on a a, B, C, X scale, the biologics came out as category B. Category B is is one of our safer categories. For example, aspirin is category B. So I think um, there's been uh, some questioning of whether our young women who have psoriasis on our biologics, whether they, um, they should just simply remain on those medications throughout their pregnancy. Based on the rheumatoid arthritis patients, um, we see in, in their studies that, in fact, uh, those patients do better. When they're on medication, and the same is true with patients who have inflammatory bowel disease. They really have demonstrated that those women, their pregnancies go better if they remain on the biologic medications, um, specifically the TNF inhibitors during their pregnancy. I think less is known about our about all of our biologics. So, for example, um, the IL seventeen agents, the IL twenty three agents, um, the aisle 1223 agents. Really, we have very, very limited information about those medications. But based on the old criteria that the FDA used to use uh, when grading medications, they would all fall in that B category, and so therefore potentially are um, are, are safe. One of the medications, certolizumab, has studied this more than any other, and they've shown that there's uh, very little crossover of the placenta and minimal to none. So when I personally have a young woman who's coming to see me where she speaks about her desire to, um, to start a family and that sort of thing, um, that becomes something that I factor into the equation when I'm choosing medications to think about for her.
1: And if a woman decides to go off a biologic for her pregnancy, will the efficacy be the same if she goes back on afterwards?
2: Yeah, nobody knows the answer to that question. So we know that um, when any patient, notwithstanding being pregnant, when any patient um, stops a medication and then restarts it, that a certain percentage of them never are able to recapture that truly excellent response. And in fact, our estimate is that about a third of patients don't recapture that response. So that's, that's the key, that's the crux of the problem for our young women. Because if I take a, a 20-year-old and put her on one of these biologic medications, you know, for good reason, um, such as two, maybe three pregnancies, um, that may mean that, There's that many times that that medication needs to be interrupted if if we're going to stop the medication uh, in anticipation of these pregnancies. And that starts to very much compound the risk that these medications will stop working. So I think um, you could easily see where a young woman could wind up um, having gone through several medications just to accommodate a couple of uh, potential pregnancies. So if it's indeed reasonable to, and in fact maybe even helpful, to continue our women patients on medication during therapy, that would certainly uh, minimize the chance that women could develop loss of response to uh, to that biologic agent.
1: So are women with psoriatic disease more likely to have a C-section than a vaginal delivery?
2: There does seem to be, or at least there's some suggestion that there's an increased risk of needing C-sections in women with psoriasis. So nobody really has studied enough women to answer that question completely. So it's not known whether they're they truly are more likely to have a C-section than a vaginal delivery, or whether there's an just an increased risk compared with the general population.
1: And what can be done to minimize postpartum flares? Say, for example, in the case of a C-section, will flares occur in all women with psoriatic disease, and how long will they last?
2: So remember we were talking earlier, we were saying that 50% of women um, have a lessening of their disease and sometimes go into remission while they're pregnant, and Usually, what in my experience, what I've found is that about six weeks after the pregnancy is over, the psoriasis starts to recur. I don't usually find it to be a super big flare. In other words, it's not like one day they wake up and their skin goes from zero to a hundred. It's that slowly those spots start to recur. That's been my personal experience. The uh, and and to our knowledge. Um, having a c-section versus having a vaginal delivery. There should be no difference in what the risk is for that recurrence to occur. Eventually, in most women, regardless of what's happened during their pregnancy, that psoriasis Does come back. And often it's coming back at a time when women are nursing. And so that raises a whole nother question, which is what do you do with a nursing mom? Well, sometimes if the psoriasis is limited, then of course you would just treat that local area with either some topical therapy, like topical steroids, for example, if the psoriasis is solely involving the elbows or knees. When it's more extensive, that's where it raises some issues, because then again, we'd be in the situation of thinking about systemic treatment. There again, what we're worrying about is, is there a chance that that agent could be expressed through the breast milk of of that lactating female? And does
1: timing make a difference with that in regards to transferring to the baby during lactation?
2: Once the mom starts nursing, if they restart a biologic agent, then no matter when they uh, restart the agent, then that becomes a potential risk.
1: So to elaborate on this, if it's a topical or systemic, does the woman have to take it a half hour before nursing, or does that matter when the medicine's administered?
2: You know, from a topical point of view, we don't think it matters at all unless the woman is applying the topical steroid to the nipple itself. And sometimes that comes up because um the suckling of the baby can irritate the the skin of the of the nipple and then one might want to put topical steroids on the the areola that 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 front part of that nipple that the baby is suckling so there you definitely want to tell the mom to not use it there despite the fact that there is some psoriasis there or to use it at a time when they're not going to be nursing so that they're waiting a little while so that we are sure we get more complete absorption of the topical steroid into the skin before that nursing commences. I think with a um, with systemic agent, it probably doesn't matter the timing. So it doesn't matter if they take their their medication, you know, an hour before or a half hour before. The risks probably are a result of the fact that they have a certain level in their body, in their bloodstream of the medication, and that's probably the the, the greatest risk for them.
1: And can you talk about the results from the CRADLE study? What are the key conclusions of that study, and what does it mean for women with psoriasis?
2: So this was a, a study um, looking at certolizumab and evidence for sirtalizumab, in the blood of babies who were being nursed. And what they were able to show is that in most of the patients, um, the level was completely undetectable. And in one, it was ever so minimal. That was a very nice demonstration of the fact that this could be a considered option for a, a young nursing mom who uh, needed a systemic biologic
1: Great. Well, it's good to see that they're studying those things and that there's options out there. So let's talk about postpartum depression. What recommendations can you provide to counter depression?
2: Well, our patients with psoriasis have an increased risk of depression at baseline. And then all uh, women who've had children are at risk for developing postpartum depression. So you can imagine that if you're a psoriasis patient, you are double the risk in some ways because you could have both combining. So I, I think the the strongest recommendation I can give is that if you're feeling blue, and it's not just something very transient that resolves very quickly with a, you know, a couple hours sleep, maybe if you're very tired from a, being up all night, make sure you, you speak to your physician about it. And then that physician should potentially be having you be more formally evaluated because our psoriasis patients are at risk from both, um, both factors, and, um, and we don't know how additive it might be. It might be that it's, um, that it's even more than just uh, twofold. It may be that, that it's more substantial than that so i i think the the most important thing i want to say to young women is if you're feeling that please speak up and and let us help you get some guidance and help
1: and in closing what steps should a woman take to improve success with disease management during and after pregnancy
2: so i think the the most important thing is to plan for your pregnancies so that way you can work with your provider to be on the kind of medicines that have the kind of risks you're comfortable with. You know, if you're the kind of person that doesn't like to think that there could be any, any risk whatsoever, and yet you need a more full-body treatment, maybe something like light therapy might be better for you. Alternatively, if you're comfortable, have that conversation. Maybe biologics remaining on your biologic therapy is what you need to do, and that should be something you discuss with your provider.
1: Ooh, thank you so much, Dr. Van Voorhees, for providing a very informative podcast about pregnancy and psoriatic disease. I'm sure women who are considering pregnancy or who are pregnant will find many words of wisdom in today's podcast. Thank you for your time and efforts to be with us on Soundbites today. We appreciate all you do. If you are a woman who is considering becoming pregnant or are pregnant, in addition to the invaluable information you just heard from Dr. Van Voorhees, you can contact our Patient Navigation Center to request a copy of the Foundation's Pregnancy Guide, which offers tips for creating a comprehensive pregnancy plan, information about treatment options, common symptoms to expect, and advice for managing flares. To order the Pregnancy Guide, contact one of our Patient Navigators today at 1 800 723 9166, option 1 or by email at education at psoriasis.org.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of Sound Bites for people with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. If you or someone you love has ever struggled with psoriatic disease, our hope is that through this series, you'll gain information to help you lead a healthier life and inspire you to look to the future. Please join us in a couple weeks for another inspiring podcast. You can find this or all future episodes of SoundBites on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and the National Psoriasis Foundation webpage. To learn more about this topic or others, please visit psoriasis.org or contact us with your questions or comments by email at podcast at psoriasis.org.